Mini Wargamer Dave here from MiniWargaming.com. Welcome Wargamers to the Shrine of Chaos. Today we have a very, very special guest. It is Nick Nanavati from The Art of War 40K. So if you've seen... Hello, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent, Nick. Uh, and we're going to talk about a lot of good things. And I wanted to get you on the stream because we talked about a year ago. Uh, you were on a couple times. And a lot's happened since you've been on the podcast. And a lot of good stuff. And a lot of crazy stuff. So there's a lot of stuff I want to dive into and get from your perspective as a tournament player, as a player who knows the armies, all armies, who plays every single army, uh, who plays chaos. There's a lot of stuff. There's a treasure trove of knowledge that I want to, I want to dig out of your brain. Uh, for, Let's do it. And so for, shovel. for those of you who don't know Nick, uh, he is one of the top players of 40k on the planet. That is an accurate most accurate thing for me to say because uh, that rotates that's a fair thing that that rotates <laughs> right like are you the top player right now currently well it's so relative and it's very nuanced so i it's most accurate i think to say you're one of the top well i appreciate that yeah thank you i think that's a pretty accurate statement yeah uh multiple awards multiple championships that you have won uh, over the years in your career and you teach you coach 40k uh, on your website, The Art of War 40K. So if you want to check that out, I've included links not only to the website, but also your YouTube channel. So I would even have a fancy background like you, but I'm still working on how to play green screens. <laughs> <laughs> not the forte. No green screen needed to win tournaments. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. So just like diving right in here, uh, it, you know, it, it's been about a year since we talked on a stream. So what? Yeah, I've missed you. Yeah. Where have you been? How are you doing? I, Tell me about you. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I appreciate that. You're throwing it back at me, uh, which is a nice and uh, odd thing to happen in the shrine. Typically, I'm asking questions. <laughs> so I will take advantage of this, and I will answer this by saying I'm currently working on a Legion of the Damned narrative campaign, and I am Legion of the Damned excited about this. It is super awesome. Emil Allegroth, he is the conversion artist that made this army. He sent it to me. Uh, super awesome. I can't wait to post that and to show it off. Phenomenal models. Uh, sounds so cool. Legion of the Damned is a really cool army. I mean, I like those guys. I wish they had like real rules these days. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I'm just playing them as whatever army, uh, yeah. whatever space. It's actually different every single mission, just to kind of keep with the flavor of the Legion of the Gam uh, Legion of the Damned. They're always like helping out whatever chapter is in need at any random time during the battle, and it's all custom narrative scenarios, and it's super cool. Um, but thank you for asking. I'm excited about that. <laughs> and all right. So ninth edition, ninth edition, we're a good amount of time in a ninth edition right now. Uh, last time we talked, it was like right before and then like right after basically ninth edition. Uh, so now that we've had about a year, uh, or a little less than a year of good ninth edition, multiple codex releases, what are your thoughts? First off, just generally speaking, before we dive into specifics about ninth edition in general. I, I love it. I think it's the best edition of 40k we've ever had, and I said that about 8th, so like that's pretty impressive. Um, I will say like it had the rough early edition patch that all editions go through, you know. They released the edition, and we're all fumbling through the rules together, and like a lot of stuff is just doesn't really work right, or we don't know how it works, and some units are really broken that they just didn't think about, and like that happens every time. Mm -hmm. You're just going to have to live with that. It's not a perfect release. Right. And they're really, they've been very good about responding and listening to the community and, and really adapting and evolving the rules to, to 
with the community feedback and we have a really good game now like it's it's pretty healthy i know i don't know how in tune you are with the competitive circles but like dark eldar is running a bit of a muck right now but overall <laughs> um, like it's uh it's pretty good <laughs> yes uh, i i've certainly noticed that uh on various channels and various uh, people talking about it and uh yeah it, that's interesting that's and it seems to be the space elves do that so often where it's just it's this odd weird thing that fits in this puzzle of 40k and the piece doesn't exactly fit but it just as you said it causes a muck and it. it's like how, how do we deal with this type of cause of muck uh, you know what I, I was thinking about this the other day the reason why it's typically the eldar armies or something like that that's always like so good is because they're really fast and adaptable a lot of what 40k is is just like things going wrong and like you as the general have to solve that and mm -hmm. like, there's just a lot of things happening that are like weird unique scenarios so having a really fast reactive adaptable army like dark eldar, mm -hmm. dark eldar that, um that lets you adapt really effectively to weird stuff that happens now would you say that they are still considered glass cannons that they definitely definitely they're made of tissue paper but they hit really hard the the okay so i i will say this the satisfying thing about fighting against drukari is that they die when you fight when you hit them in close combat and when you shoot them uh so there is that yeah. it's not like fighting necrons definitely. or death guard where it's just like okay uh, <sighs> All right, let's play ping pong against the wall. Um, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You could throw a stiff breeze and like some Jukari died. But equally so, I mean, they, whatever they slice, they cut right to the core and they kill very efficiently. Yeah. So they're super killy. And what, the, the, I was just going to, I was just going to say with this addition, with the objectives, well, a lot of focus on objective taking and objective holding. I, I'm sure the speed is just like phenomenal. Well, that's what it is they're so fast and they're so good at trading with like just lots and lots of small units they can always can keep contesting your objectives keep your primaries low by just throwing five warriors or five witches onto there to contest it with obsec and stuff mm -hmm. you have a big squad of troops on one okay i'm not going to work too hard to contest that one you could have it i'll take you off the other four mm -hmm. well so they do a lot of that and while you're doing that, you're also collecting all your engaged in all fronts points. Really easy to score, raise the banners, or deploy your scramblers. And from there, it's just a really effective way to win. Mm -hmm. Would you say it's the strongest army currently? Currently, yeah. Not to say it's unbeatable. Um, because it can be killed, you can just build to kill it, and then it dies. It's not, like, broken in the sense of it's unkillable, which is, like, that is more in terms of unbeatable when stuff can't die. But this is just, like, really powerful. Would you say that it's like, okay, you know how certain armies are, uh, they are the top of their local meta, but they may not necessarily be the top of the meta. Would you say it is the top of the meta overall? Well, so the overall meta is a, that's like really where I live and, and work is the overall meta. Cause I, right. I don't really play locally. I just play at the GT level and up. Yeah. Um, so I would say like the overall meta is constantly shifting two weeks ago dark eldar literally won every gt there was like dallas open a couple other ones they got like four out of five gt wins that happened cross country and the following week this past weekend not a single dark eldar player won a gt huh. like dark eldar all over the top right. their win percentage went down by one percent so like 70 went to like 69 or something mm -hmm. so not that big of a thing but the actual wins weren't happening meaning they lost the game on the way 
So still super duper powerful army, but that means the best players have already started reacting to Dark Eldar and already started teching for it. Because like I said, it's it's not so broken that it can't be stopped. It's just a different approach to 40k than what we've been having. Like a lot of what's being being released has been Space Marines, different Space Marines, a couple other colors of Space Marines, and they all play 40k the same way. Dark Eldar is coming in here. Um, not doing any of that and it's a natural counter to that flow to like death guard and dark angels and space marines all that stuff really got disrupted by dark eldar's presence entering the meta Mm -hmm. but as people kind of learn what dark eldar does which is it's very overwhelming it's very scary to learn at first but as you kind of become familiar with the ins and outs it's not so big and scary and unbeatable you just have to adapt and when people do dark eldar will go from the army to a very good army. okay so let's say Let's say a person is interested in uh, participating in some tournaments and they're kind of new to the tournament scene. Would you suggest to them that they uh, use a dark, a Jukari army or space green army? Like what would be your suggestion? No, when I, I coach people for a living, um, or I, it's part of my job and they, I always give them the same advice when they're newer is I don't, I don't tell them what I'm going to play. I ask them, what army do they want to play? Okay. Or what army do you play? Right. And I work with that. It's so important in, when you're getting into 40K to learn your fundamentals. Like I was just coaching one of my clients this morning. He is a diehard Blood Angel player. He's been playing Blood Angels for a year. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of Ninth Edition, Blood Angels were awesome. They were killing everything. This was great. He was he was winning. He was doing well. But he's relatively new, so he's not you know, crushing tournaments. He's just winning games and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're getting him better. And now, as the meta... Weens and ways, Blood Angels have found themselves a little lower on the totem pole. Can't really keep up with Dark Eldar, struggling to handle things like Death Guard. Mm-hmm. Like they, they have some problems. And he's going to tournaments, and he just went two and three at a tournament. And he was like down about it because like he's like, man, I, I pay for coaching, and I went two and three. What's going on? Like I totally get it. Mm. But I asked him, I was like, so how are your games? Describe your games to me. And he told me all, all about his games, and he was like, doing all these moves and blocking him and all this stuff. And it was really well played. He was just losing. I was like, what's happened here is you've outgrown your army. You've really learned Blood Angels super well. You've become a really great tactician, a really good statistician, but you're not, um, you're being held back because Blood Angels right now, you got hard countered by Dark Eldar. You got hard countered by Death Guard. You don't have it. So I gave him the choice. Like you have, you have a couple options as a player here. You can stick with Blood Angels like a lot of players do, like Archon Skari, for example. He sticks with Dark Eldar good times, bad times. He don't care. You, Dave, you're a diehard Chaos player forever. So you could become the Blood Angel guy. You could just keep playing Blood Angels and do your thing. Eventually, the meta circles back, and you're going to be the best Blood Angel player in town and just killing everybody because you've been playing it for so long, and then they're good. Mm-hmm. Or you can try to chase the dragon and hop over. But definitely do not ever try to chase the dragon until you are already good at 40K. Mm. <laughs> I mean that actually makes a lot of sense because then it's just you'll fumble your way through through it all. It sounds like there's just too much to keep track of and, and consider. So, so a lot of people try, and that's why like there's going to be seven thousand Dark Elder players the next few tournaments, and most of them will suck. <laughs> very common phenomenon. That's so interesting. Uh, so okay, I have to read a comment here by Justin Bruce because. Uh, I like the comment, and it uh, poses good discussion. The state of 40K? Really? Does it ever change? Ha ha ha. So glad I have moved on to one-page rules. My back thanks me, too. 
no more lugging all my models and 16 books to get a game in. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, 40K is constantly evolving and changing. It doesn't, it doesn't have to for, for you as a player. Like, you know, I, I play chess super casually. I don't know what goes on at the high levels of chess. When I play chess, I do the same opening I've done for the past 20 years, and then we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, but, you know, Magnus Carlsen and, and Anon and those other pro chess players, they're evolving ideas. They're figuring out 74-step plans to checkmate you. Like, they're, chess is a growing game constantly. 40K is no different. And the fact that they're also being rules released means there's a never-ending flux of new ideas. So mm-hmm. definitely 40K is a state of being if you want it to be. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That's fair. So I'm going to no retreat in the fall. Uh, no retreat. Familiar? Unfamiliar? Uh, I've been, I've heard of it, but I've never been. Okay. So uh, there, uh, there's a bunch of uh, uh, YouTubers, wargaming YouTubers that are competing in this no retreat challenge. And uh, tabletop tactics and Winter's SEO and uh, Vanguard tactics. There's a lot. There's a big list. I, I'm not going to say everyone because I'll ultimately forget someone. So, but these channels are going. Uh, I've also been invited, and I'm also going COVID permitting. So, I I'm not a competitive player. I I am. I'm not going to go there. So my my goal is to uh, my goal is to win by killing stuff with corn and provided that corn kills stuff i feel like i've won yeah yeah so like i totally get that it's a completely different like i i'm not gonna it it just doesn't make sense for me to okay so let's change that for a second in my brain let's say i wanted to win Mm -hmm. okay would chaos do the trick going with your what you were saying about the blood angels how no matter how good of a tactician you are you simply just outgrew the army and it doesn't keep up with the the current meta do you think well, so okay yeah so chaos as an army gets a lot more flexibility than blood angels and army because chaos if you're willing to let it be this is like seven different factions you know you got demons death guard thousand sons black legion all you got so much stuff to play with mm-hmm. that army is as a super faction is so diverse it is almost always the case i was functionally always the case that you will find something viable in there like you know you have to be willing to switch your combos you have to become very fluent in all the different types of chaos to really keep up forever but yeah yeah i'm sure something chaos is always good there's enough rules there that something has got to be good some combination yeah um, but like if you limit yourself to just blood angels you're like i got a bunch of units that are all pretty much very similar. You know, here's my Space Marine stat line with a different weapon in my hand. Uh-huh. And all of my stats are just some form of my units are slightly better. Like, they hit you harder. They do more mortals to you. They advance and charge. They're transhuman. They're just better units. Right. But at the end of the day, the army only does so many different things. Right. So that's why it can become outgrown, where something like Chaos is so amorphous. Uh-huh. Yeah, I find. I think that's probably one of the main reasons why I've continued to just love playing chaos is that it's feels like it's impossible to get bored with the army. It constantly changing and going in different directions. Like I have my go-tos like my world eaters and my black legion, but there are times when, you know, I, I unleash the alpha legion or the iron warriors or you name it, the death guard or the thousand sons. It's just so much fun to have all these different flavors it's like, would you want just vanilla or chocolate ice cream 
or would you want all the colors and 50 <laughs> options within one faction? That actually blows my mind. I mean, think about it. Like, I, I mean, that's true. It's but when you break down the walls, especially like I, I like I can mix my Death Guard with my Thousand Suns. When you just accept that competitively, the spot, the options are endless. Mm. Like, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you? Okay, so how would you? How would you build a? Because I haven't really like I have decided what army I'm bringing. I haven't said it publicly. There's there's guesses as to what I will be bringing. Um, and uh, like, what would you, okay, let's say you're coaching me. Uh, what would you tell me to do? So I actually just taught a class on how to, how to build a list right now, uh, in the, in the war room in Frog of War. So I'm going to use some of those principles on you. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Um, so the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is identify your play style. And if you're new, you're not, but if you're new and you don't know your play style or you're new to competitive and you don't know your play style, um, think about how you are as a person. Are you a confrontational person? Are you aggressive? Are you passive? Are you, do you like to just, are you sporadic? Are you very regimented? Yes. Like how no. you find yourself? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I would say like my play style is move up and charge. And like, it's re- like when it comes to holding an objective versus charging something with berserkers, oh man, that's a hard life choice. I, <laughs> I, I want to like charge with the berserkers so badly that sometimes I just, forfeit the win because that to me is the ultimate victory so that's my really? that's my play style i just like okay so you're just going for it going for it yeah i don't like okay. to be reactionary i like to cause reactions okay so the next thing is we have to figure out our strategy okay so obviously the win condition the only way to win 40k is to score more points than your opponent. Mm-hmm. but that doesn't that there's a lot of different ways you could do that you could do 100 to zero you could do 100 to 90 you could do 50 to 40 you could do like, mm. what kind of game are we playing here mm-hmm. so you're saying you want to go forward and charge the crap out of them. yes if you're going to go forward and charge the crap out of them what you should be looking to do is score more points than him in a way that you are taking off his primaries you're already charging him so you might as well stand on his objectives while you're charging him. right you're you're already on his side of the field because you're charging him so we're going to take a lot of units that build towards engaging all fronts if we're on his side of the board we might as well deploy some scramblers or raise some banners on the way so Hmm. that's a good secondary to build towards so if we're going to do all these skirmishy movement secondaries and we're going to stand on my opponent's objectives as our strategy we need something in the back some cultists or rhinos or some junky characters to sit back there and babysit my home field while I put so much pressure on my opponent's side of the board mm. that I'm actually winning this game. And then I need a lot of small skirmishy crappy units to soak overwatches and to to um, just like do actions for me because my berserkers don't want to raise a banner. They want to punch them in the face. Mm-hmm. So I need a lot of units to just do stuff while my army is going forward and hitting them with my chainswords. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I would look at those units to fill the role that is your world leader's army. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'd pick the units that make sense for those jobs that need to be filled. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the crappier units in the back. Crappier. Uh, lesser mortal units in the back. Lesser mortal units. Uh, but you can get creative with it. You can summon furies from demons. So just have a character stand still, summon five furies. They're five little dudes that like move fairly quickly in their infantry. That feels like so foreign, cheap. man. I mean, that's a great way to do it. What? Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. Like, that's not even breaking rules. Like, you can just summon furies. That's allowed. <laughs> I, 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 like, it makes sense to me. What you're saying to me makes sense. I've never done it. It just feels like 
Well, I guess that is possible in a Chaos Army. It just feels strange. It feels strange. Okay, so Summon Furies. <laughs> Why am I laughing at that? I'm sure that's a really good tactic that it actually puts a lot of pressure and works. But it, it, the concept of it, it, it feels foreign. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. But little stuff like that can go a long way. Like you summon some Furies. If you're willing to go a little bit out of your way, I would tell you to uh, add a Word Bearers detachment uh -huh. on a patrol of a sorcerer and like 10 cultists or some crap mm -hmm. to do your infantry <laughs> banner doing. Uh -huh. And then the, the sorcerer would cast warp time that could not be blocked because the word bears have a spell of a strat to auto pass a power. Right. So moving your berserkers twice is like a really powerful thing or moving raptors twice or something is super powerful. Yeah. Uh, but it's also hugely consequential if you fail. So not being able to fail that is amazingly valuable. Like I will spend three CP to, to not fail that power ever. Yes. Uh, that's, I look at that kind of stuff. Um, I value that. Yeah. So that's the stuff I would look at when trying to build your army from a competitive standpoint. Okay. But those are just little, those are combos. You yeah. know, let me take the unstoppable warp time. It comes with the cultists that I'm noting that I would like filled. Mm -hmm. uh, your bread and butter is going to be berserkers and rhinos because what are we charging them with? Mm -hmm. Um the Raptors, Warp Talons, those are fine to charge them with. You could try doing Deep Strike Terminators. These are the units you try and test out. Mm. And like it's all flowing with the strategy of let's charge them in the face. And, you know, maybe the Terminators suck. Maybe they fail their 8-inch charge over and over again. You're really sad about it. Mm. Maybe the Raptors, you find them really effective because you can deploy them behind a nice wall and then move up and then warp time and then charge the whole army. So they're beating up these, dealing with these Raptors, which allows the Berserkers and the Rhinos to move up the table. There's a lot of different ways you can approach this. Mm. So that's what you do with the playtesting process. You, you've already you get, you identified your playstyle. You charge them in the face. Then the strategy with that is, all right, if I'm charging them, I need to stand on their objectives, score my engagement off runs. Do That's the kind of game I'm playing. You take your units that make sense for that kind of game style, and then you, you tweak, you playtest hmm. through the process. Hmm. What would you suggest for like uh, some hard shooting or would you not even do it do much of that at all well that's the thing so you could do shooting you could you could not what does shooting give you it basically um it gives you covering fire so that you can open up a transport and then just charge the guys inside that's pretty useful mm -hmm. it also means your opponent might not might have to make a decision between sh shooting your rhino or shooting like a dreadnought or something my general rule of thumb with guns in like a world leaders army or something like that is they're only worth bringing if they're actually worth bringing. Don't take like some crappy unit that has shooting capability, like five havocs, for example, uh, unless they're actually putting in work for you because like token shooting doesn't matter. You need your opponent needs to feel threatened by it and needs to actually be able to, to pull the trigger when it gets to pull the trigger. You can't just suck when it's supposed to perform. And chaos doesn't have an abundance of really good shooty units. But if you deal Forge World and take some Contemptors, if you do right. Allies to Emperor's Children, that's quality shooting. Plague Burst Crawlers, they're actually decent. But in a World Eaters army, like Mono World Eaters, I don't know. There's, there's not too many options. There's <laughs> Havocs and Obliterators, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my, my playstyle is definitely close combat and just, like, rushing the enemy. It, it's just fun. Like, to me, no matter what happens, I... I just have fun. I feel like I've won both ways because there was action happening and it wasn't sitting back and tau firing. That that's just uh, that that's where my brain goes. It's like I don't want to sit back and fire like a tau. 
I want to go forward and charge like a berserker. That's where it is with me. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you need to lean into it. Like, there's a big misconception, I think, especially amongst the more the more casual players and even, like, a lot of the competitive players that just go to tournaments and don't know what they're doing, that taking the best units and taking the most efficient list means you'll win more. It, in fact, means you will probably lose more if, it's, if you don't know what you're doing with them. And here's, here's the real crux to it. One, you have to know your army to do well. There's no, like, it's not, not every army is rocket science. If you take an army that's all guns, yeah, it's pretty simple to, to use it. But when you see, like, a Dark Elder army and you think you can pick up and play it, sure, you'll pick it up and go two and three. Like, good job, buddy. Like, that's not, you're not going to see success. The other thing to it is the army has to match your play style. And I cannot stress that enough. Like, Dave, the, the first question I asked you was not what do you play or what units do you like or any of that. Mm -hmm. it, it, it certainly didn't start off by here's the good stuff. It was what's your play style. Your play style? And that's very methodical mm -hmm. because your play style, you can't change who you are. Mm -hmm. like, that's one fact of life. I, like Maybe you can through like years of discipline and trying, but like I'm not here trying to change you. So you're, you're an aggressive player. Let's deal with that. Okay. Now that we've accepted that, we've ruled out all the armies that don't play aggressively. Because if you do that, if you pick up Dark Eldar, well, Dark Eldar are pretty aggressive, but if you pick up like Death Guard, who just want to sit there and be defensive, mm. and you're an aggressive player, you might be able to force it to work, like you, mm. by being cognizant of it and being, you know, methodical and trying very hard to not to temper your aggression. Mm -hmm. But it won't feel natural, and you won't do it as well about someone who does it naturally. You're literally fighting yourself every time you play a game. I love that concept. That actually makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And you know, here, here's the funny thing. I, I've been spending, like I've been, for years, I've been adding to my Death Guard collection. Little bit by little bit, right? And I rarely field them. It's rare. And when I do, I got to be honest, my thought is, oh, but that's one less game than fielding World Eaters. That's that's my thought, right? Because it's like I want these things to act like berserkers. So it, you're absolutely right when you say that. It, it's definitely who I am, and I treat them like berserkers when I do feel them anyway. So it's like, hey, they're not meant for that. They're slow, and they don't really they don't hit as much. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. So okay. So if there was not just making stuff up out here, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> it's resonating though. No, I, I like what you're saying though. It, it definitely makes sense. So if one were to just simply lean into what, into who they are, and translate that on the tabletop, I think they would get more out of their games, win or lose. I've been playing this game for 20 years. I'm playing competitively like for 15 of them. I have seen every type of player that exists. The person who's played their army for a thousand years, good, bad, doesn't care. The person who meta hops to every army, good, like a broken army, broken army, broken army, new army, every tournament. Don't know how they do it. I, I've seen it all. And I'm telling you, the people who do well are the people. They're not afraid to switch armies with the times, but they're not actively seeking to. And they play armies that they want to play mm. that also are doing well. That are capable of doing well at the time right and that's just them playing to who they are mm -hmm. and that's a common thread you found that's that's the, i mean there's many common threads but amongst the common thread between how much a player switches armies to compete is not they switch all time and it's not they never switch it's they switch one force two by the meta of making them two and only to something that they also want to play right yeah that makes sense hi war mistress 
I just want, I wanted to put that out there. She said uh, hi. <laughs> also, <laughs> also hi Tom. Uh, yeah. Tom's a good person who likes people who is very generous. So throwing that in there as well. Okay, getting Excellent. back on track. So uh, <laughs> talking about uh, uh, Slanesh and Empress Children because uh, Tom wants to talk about that. That's one of my favorites. I love <laughs> this one. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like my favorite guy. Uh, okay, so Endless Cacophony, obviously amazing. So how would you build, what would be your, let's say any model at your disposal? What, how would you build an Empress Children 2000 point list? Well, I would start by identifying my play style. Okay. <laughs> what's, your, what's your play style, Nick? My play style, I like to be very controlly, reactive, passive. I like to I like to play people like you, Dave. I like to let you come to me, <laughs> and then I like to do whatever I want to you. <laughs> also also oh. sounds like a Slanesh player. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> I think we would have a lot of fun if we're playing on the tabletop. I think so. Yeah. I, think so. I hope it happens. We play, we'd be playing um, catch with each other the whole time. It's like, I'm going to throw this at you. Okay, I'm going to catch it. I'll throw it back at you. I'm gonna right. catch it. Yeah, it would be a good back and forth, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's my play style. So along those lines, I would pick a strategy that identifies a play style. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare you the whole speech and just tell you the units I'm going to take. I think noise marines are really good. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't go crazy. I wouldn't take like a 20-man. Um, I think when you go all in on one squad like that, you put 400, 500 points plus all these buffs and stuff to make a squad awesome. I think you're just inviting problems to happen and hard counters to find themselves. So screw that. I would take a more balanced approach, probably like a 10-man, maybe two 10-mans and rhinos. I think rhinos are just really good value mm -hmm. for, their for the type of unit they are. Um, maybe some terminators. I think terminators with like combi bolter and lightning claw deep striking in with honor the prince to make re very reliable charges from deep strike. That's really strong. Um, a dark apostle with the... The thing that lets you reroll wounds, that's got to be good. The remnant of the Maravaglia, that thing. Uh, their powers are good, so definitely going to bring some sorcerers and princes. <laughs> I don't know. From here, we'll see where my points land. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, I like how uh, it took you a second there to remember that one, the prayer. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, justifiably so. It's a weird name. It's a weird name. <laughs> The only reason I know this name, and like I'm, I'm notoriously bad at knowing names in 40k. For someone who, like, my job is 40k, I do this like all day, every day, and I don't know anything's proper name. So the fact that I know this thing's name is that <laughs> I, I do the Art of War 40k podcast, and I interviewed this guy who won a tournament with Slanish stuff, and he every time it came to saying this relic's name, he said it so properly he's australian so it had like a nice accent to it mm -hmm. and he's the remnant of the maraviglia and i'm like it just i remember it now. <laughs> <laughs> like a thousand times he said oh uh, yeah okay you know it here's something interesting that i want to touch on for a minute here uh both of our jobs are 40k knowing 40k playing 40k showing 40k uh to the public and uh in your case teaching in my case creating stories uh, yeah. So it's interesting because there are many comments on many wargaming videos uh, related to rules. Okay. It's, there's a percentage in each video, some more than others, right? And there's like, hey, oh, that rule was wrong, or this, uh, you know, could have done this differently, or that strat, or this, the timing of this is wrong, and whatever it is, right? And I think something that uh, uh, many viewers don't realize is that although it is our job, and there is a certain degree that we do need to play correctly 
and all of that. We're not tournament players, and we don't teach others the rules. We tell stories, and we play games. And so it's like we're a bunch of buddies having fun on the channel, and we just happen to have eyes on us. And so that's the fly-on-the-wall experience where you feel like you're in the room playing with us as we're playing against somebody. Yeah. And so there are going to be errors, for sure. There's going to be the human errors and, uh, you know, if there's distractions and things that are happening. Because uh, I've seen, I've seen like, tournament players where they're fighting and they're on a completely different level of thinking, thought process, and uh, laser-targeted... Uh, it, it's crazy. It really is crazy. And that's, like... Uh, Watching it is neat. It's like people, it's like watching that one sport in, uh, it's like volleyball, but you have to kick the ball. Have you ever seen that? No, what are you talking that's, about? That's amazing. Soccer? About it's soccer, not football? soccer. No, no. It's, it's, it's the same. It's like the same rules as volleyball, but instead of using your hands, you can only use your feet. And these guys are doing like flips and they're doing like these like uh, drop kicks and like, they're kicking like, it over back and forth. Fucking it with your foot in the air. That's cool. It's like me, I, I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> is it fun to watch? Absolutely, it's fun to watch. Uh, is it incredible to get to the level where you could do that, athletically speaking, and like training and all that? Absolutely, very respectable. Uh, is it part of the sports, whatever? Yes, it's part of it. And so that's how I view like top tournament players. Like I, I don't, I don't even have a desire to become a top tournament <laughs> player. But, I feel you. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I'm I'm there, but like I, I feel you. Like I watch other sports. Like I would just watch the Last Dance on Netflix about Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. I was watching him just like fly through the air dunking basketballs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even like basketball much, and I can just appreciate that. But I, I'm not trying to fly through the air, no, sir. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's like that's absurd. You're right. Like that's yeah. almost inhuman. Right? Yeah. Like there's a very small percentage of people that can <laughs> actually do it well. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's one of those kind of beauties to behold. And that's how I compare <laughs> the top players of this game. <laughs> uh, and so I'm okay with, I have, I have, uh, reconciled that within myself because years ago when I'd see like the comments, it's like, oh man, oh, we're getting stuff wrong. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're making this content. People are paying us to make this content. And so I, I was feeling very bad about that. And like, how do we, how do we reconcile this? Right. And so I, I reconciled it with uh, the fact that that is not what we're selling. We're not selling instructions. We're selling entertainment. We're selling fun. That is actually the product that we're selling. And so Mm -hmm. if you come and you're watching and you're entertained, then you can feel good with your purchase. If you're watching and you're coming for like specific rules things, that's like a, a incidental effect Maybe you want to get some ideas on building armies or, you know, lists lists and different use of strategies or whatever it is. Like, that's incidental. That is not the main focus. The main focus is definitely the having fun aspect into telling a story and to kind of going on that journey with us. I love how off topic I've gotten you. You've, you've gone straight <laughs> from Shrine of Chaos to let's go into what our business sells. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and it just that is part of the state of 40K. Is that there's that's part of the fun. That's part of the fun of being a streamer and dealing with this. Like, let's just have the conversation flow. So here's a question for you, Nick. Would you ever consider translating your 40k brain into a 40k narrative setting? Where I kind of sort of did this once. Maybe this isn't what you mean. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Back when I was with Knights of the Game Table, we're talking like two years ago. Um, I mean, I'm in like the peak of my prime. Like I'm crushing the tournament scene right now. 
mm-hmm. is like pre-COVID. I'm just going to tournaments every other weekend and just like winning stuff. And I have to go to Texas for this night's the game table thing. It was a little convention they ran and and very nights of the game table was a much more like hobby narrative focused company than i was specifically like targeted for mm-hmm. so then i came there and we had to play I, I had to play like very casual players in a game store which is not to say that's a bad thing or anything but it's just like not the type of 40k i've been playing lately that's how i started don't get me wrong like i started 40k in a game store like everybody else but past years i've just been going tournaments Mm -hmm. so i'm back to the game stores my good old roots and it's so different we're playing narrative 40k they don't know what anything does like like there's no strategy going on there's there's just these are my units let's use them and i'm i'm like trying to turn it off so hard Uh like i'm like we i can't just this is i can't end this right here like so it's more of an exercise for me like in myself turning it off because that's not natural anymore it's just ingrained okay yeah, yeah. That yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> that is that is fascinating. Uh, I love that. I love how transparent you are about that too. With how you know your default, your brain. Yeah. And it, I, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I've noticed when I play other board games, I'm, I'm like my hobby is gaming as well. Like mm-hmm. I have tons of friends who I just play board games with and stuff and whatnot. So when I do, I they, I'm a lot of them are like fairly competitive and are professional gamers, but you know they like to win. And I'm sitting here and I have like a choice. I'm like I could turn it on right now. These are like, or I could like just not. And I like choose not to. Like I, I do this for work. I, I'm I just turn my brain off. And then they all beat me. And then I'm like okay, but <laughs> it's 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 just so funny. Like I'm choosing to play worse because I find real enjoyment out of it because I just don't get to do that. Yeah, just like turn your brain off and just. You know, yeah, just let's see what happens. Make choices you wouldn't necessarily make if there was something yeah. on the line. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like especially a lot of competitive 40k is, is is game theory, and game theory a lot of the time will just tell you to not do anything. And a lot of times, like you said, Dave, sit on the objective or charge them. The answer is actually sit on the objective. You know, right, so like, right, right, right. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'll do that, which. Fine, I won the game. It's very fun to win tournaments. I do enjoy that. Don't get me wrong. Oh. Knowing I'm better than you is really fun for me. I like <laughs> <laughs> that's the main competitive. I don't know. It's a mindset. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's again. That, I think that's a, like, I love the transparency. It it's great. Yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. Uh, you know, some people well, hide that. They're, you know, they pass it off as whatever. But really, that's that's what it is, man. Like, that's like all some good. people like the highs in life. They like the adrenaline jumping off bungee mountains. Some people, I, we all enjoy what we enjoy. I don't know. This is this, I enjoy this, but so I don't know where I was going somewhere with the story. Do you remember where I was? Uh, yeah, you're talking like narrative. You were like doing a narrative and how that experience and it went into bungee jumping. But yeah, so like but yeah, turning your brain like doing a narrative like playing narratively. Uh, okay, so here's a scenario for you, Nick. Here's a here's a thought exercise. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is fun because you have a, you have a certain brain for the competitive and that's your default. And then you, mm. you just said you kind of sometimes you turn it off. So here. All right. Here's the scenario. Uh, your objective uh, outside demigod objective, not in-game objective, is to not just play a game, but to craft a game where you're using the rules of 40K. But the objective is to make cool things happen. And to play the units narratively as they would from the lore. And also, one of the caveats is you must bring one of each type of unit. There's no duplication of units. 
And so things that wouldn't normally be brought, like mutilators or, you know, like kind of like this weird stuff. It's like you would never bring it in a million years because it's not efficient points wise and they suck and they're slow, whatever. Right. So that's your objective. And the cool thing is they uh, they don't like sit on an objective, but they interfere with something or they, uh, you know, they do. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. yeah, like the blowing stuff up versus the holding the objective, like that. Yeah, kind no, of thing. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, and so you get points according to the cool stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually right. how you win. That's cool. So like, it it's not actually any less competitive, believe it or not, or any. It's you you can approach it with a different mindset, but you can approach it with a competitive mindset as well. I'm not saying you should. Just here's how you could. Right. You could. You, you get points for achieving cool things, however you define cool things, right? So cool things could be my mutilators blew up a tank and Colox killed someone off objective. You could write that down in specificity, or you could leave it very vague as cool things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But mm. that's the objective. You score points for it. So in theory, there is a translatable, like, if I do X, I get Y points. So then your objective is to, within the parameters of take one of everything, make the cool things happen which will lead to a really cool game Mm -hmm. but it is very much a gameable game you know there's anytime you add points for doing something onto it you're playing a game from a game theory perspective and that's that that means there's probably paths that are more optimal than other paths to achieve your goals yes uh i like how you translated it into a competitive thought process that's interesting uh, so I mean, not to say you should. Like, you could spirit of the game it up. I probably would in this scenario, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I'm all about just let's have some fun the way it was meant to be played. But my brain can't turn it off. That's that's what I mean. <laughs> all right. Okay. I'm going to try to take out another stop here. Let's say you don't calculate points. There is no points calculation. It is like, okay, here's this force. And uh, visually speaking, it looks like that would be a good force against it. So there's no points calculations allowed, not even power. Yeah. Yeah. Would that would your brain hurt? How how would how would you no no I don't no. I don't, I'm not a dude. I don't like points really. I mean I, I do points because like what else how else do you do stuff? Power level too, but I really don't like power level. Um I I'd like when I build lists, I don't bust out the calculator and just start going. It's all very conceptual. I'm mm-hmm. very I'm very much like What's my play style? What's, what's my strategy to win this game? How many points am I trying to score to get like lots of points more than my opponent? Just a few, but very consistently more than my opponent. What am I trying to do here? Because the more points you try to score, the less consistent the strategy is going to be. Hmm. It's just like the way it works. So then I take the units and the ideas that make sense to fit that strategy. And then, like I said, in the Slaney Shemper's Children build, I was like, so we'll take, I very much have, that's how my brain works. I'll take these Norse Marines and Rhinos because I don't want to go all in on 120, man. But I want enough to be respectable. I want these Deep Striking Terminators on the air unit. We'll try them out, some characters. And then I said, let's see where the points lie. So I mean, that's going to come out to like 1,200. I don't know. So I could eyeball two armies and tell you how fair the fight is for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I could also tell you that points aren't always well suited. So, like, if I take an army of 18 Skyweaver jet bikes from Harlequins, they, they're a bunch of very pricey bikes that shoot tons of haywire, so all the tanks die. But then I put those 18 Skyweavers against a bunch of Tyranid Horde models and monsters. You're paying all these points for haywire. That sucks. So this is not a fair fight at all. So points can be misleading in that way. But it's just how we choose the metric stuff. It has to be a metric. It has to be. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, it's like first edition beta 
AOS where it's like, ah, oh, just bring whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work so well, as we've learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So interesting. Yeah. I, I like that. I like how it could still be really what it is, is I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm seeing you articulate your brain. And it, it's just interesting to me because it's, it's no, that's like, you're yeah. actually not the first person to ever say that. So there's a, another client of mine who is now one of our coaches on art of war because that's how he leveled up through the process. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's very into the stats and the math hammer aspect of the game. And he's just, he's a statistician by trade and all that. Um, so now he teaches a class on the art of war about the math hammer aspect of the game. Like what units are mathematically efficient? Why, how do you calculate stuff in the game? Like all the, the math parts of the game competitively so he and i talk frequently because i'm super not mathy i don't know if you can tell from the way i've been speaking but i'm very concept based i'm very mm-hmm. like this is what i want my army to do function yeah you're more function based than math based yeah exactly yeah and when i describe things to adam our math hammer dude he's the same thing you do he just like sits there and stares like a sponge just like <laughs> absorbing by the way my brain works it's so funny Okay, cool. so like, you know, that's that's surprising. I must say, I must admit, uh, the fact that your your brain doesn't go in the math direction. Uh, but I imagine you still have to be good at. Those, you need to know it. Yeah, you need to know the efficiencies. The yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't use math, but there are players who write lists that are just mathematically better. Like that is that is their goal. When you see a tournament list and it's like, this is my Eldar army with three units of one Hornet, three units of one Night Spinner, three units of one Fire Prison, three Crimson Hunter X Archers, math choice times three, math choice times three until you hit 2,000 points. That's not how I would write a list ever. And I've never written a list like that intentionally, like without reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because like, I don't envision armies like that. I, I envision my play style, which isn't that then I make a strategy and then I take the units that fit that strategy. And if my strategy is never just table them off the board with math, then I never get to that conclusion. So there are people who have the strategy, let's just table them with math and they just make these math hammer lists. And that is a play style to it, but that's just not my play style. Right. But you have to understand the math. So like you have to understand like when I shoot multi-melter retributors at, you know, so whatever it is, am I expecting that it's going to get bounced by these invulnerable saves? Like, is that possibly? Because vulnerable saves are very spiky. If you pass it, you're not taking six damage. If you fail it, you are taking six damage. So every time I shoot something very damagey, like a multi-melta into something that even has a five-up invul or six-up invul, I'm very hesitant because I'm like, this could just go wrong if they roll some fives and sixes and opportunistically. If I shoot something like a rhino, no save, all right, it's not as rewarding as blowing up the Contemptor Dreadnought, but it's going to happen. Right. There's no saves happening. So you need to understand the probabilities to the math. You know, like if I shoot 10 dice, how many hits, how many wounds, how many saves, but also the variabilities. So, like, you don't need the numbers. This is what I mean. I don't do the numbers. I just know fives can spike. Sixes are harder to spike, but it can happen. How badly do I need this? Like Mm. that's And a bit of that is experience. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there is basic intuition when it comes to, statistically speaking, the dice will do this for me. Therefore, I can gauge my options uh, on math at the very basic level uh, without getting really into it and really crunching it. But just at at a basic level, you can be like, yeah, these are my options. I have a better chance of doing this. Uh, It's such a misconception that there's dice in 40K, so it can't be a competitive game or, you know. There's variability in every game or every sport to ever happen. 
if it's not built into the game, it's built into the players. You know, someone wakes up one morning and they have a they have a crappy night's sleep the night before. Guess they're not performing as well. That you know, you could say that's the player's fault. But what are we trying to determine here? We're not trying to determine anything other than who won the game. And there's a million factors into that. So that's the player playing it. That's what condition it's what they ate for breakfast. That's what how they slept last night. That's the dice that were rolled. That's the army that was played. All that is all just a factor in determining the outcome of who won this game. So dice are just a factor the same way everything else is. And your job as the general, as the person whose active goal it is to win this game, is to try to mitigate the factors, the risk factors, you know, get a good night's sleep the night before a tournament, eat something for breakfast. I don't really do that, but in theory it makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, and then don't always take the risky plays. Don't try to take the, the high-hanging fruit of, I'm going to blow up two contemptors with my multi-melter retributors because the internet told me these things do a thousand damage. Mm. Just understand that all I have to do to win this game is sit on this objective and make sure no one comes near me, blow up the rhino full of troops that's going to die when you shoot it, and call it a day. Like <laughs> Doing that stuff, the low-hanging fruit, creates a consistency amongst your plays. You mitigate the dice, and 40K is competitive all of a sudden. That's interesting. So, okay. You know, uh, Timo left a, a, a good comment here, uh, which is related to what you just said. So, question. Would you consider 40K right now as it is, a balanced game. I mean, often the frustration comes from people not willing to adapt. They just want to roll with their type of play and getting vocal about general balance when it won't work their way. 40K is so complex. There's, there's 10 billion things in 40K. To balance all of them amongst each other perfectly is impossible because there's so much to it. You're asking, like, is the universe fully balanced? Like, what kind of question is that? Does do, do things work? Yeah, physics physics is here to not be so grandiose about it in 40k terms. Yeah, the game works. It's reasonably competitive. It's not bad. Everyone can have a relatively good time together. If you're ha having a good time because your army keeps getting creamed, chances are you suck. So, you know, <laughs> sorry. Like that's the truth of the matter. You could get better. Right. And and yeah, that's that's the truth to it. So, yeah, it's not perfectly balanced but things work like i enjoy it yeah i mean that's a fair <laughs> statement matter? that's a fair yeah. statement it's it's actually it's probably impossible to balance it perfectly yeah it's uh, not it's a moving target so it is impossible because it's not even that rules release it's the ideas are formed constantly so it's the universe is ever expanding the game is ever evolving so you can't hit a moving target it's not possible right you can just hope it's close enough that you don't mind yeah yeah and it feels I think it feels imbalanced when there is a pre, when there's like an old army that's versus like a new release codex army. I think it, that's where it's really felt a lot, where it's like, oh, my, my, my army's too old. It can't keep up. It doesn't have updated rules. It's not competitive. Uh, there's, there's certainly a lot of that. I see a lot of that in the comments. And uh, so what are your thoughts on that? There are units that are bad. I mean, uh, not... Not for nothing. Not every unit is good, for sure. They're, the game is healthier than it's ever been, which is how we kind of started the conversation. And by that, I mean there is more viable stuff and more viable play styles than there have ever been before. And nothing is so oppressive that it overshadows anything else in, like, unbelievably so. Like, I could take a Tau army and do fairly well with it right now. I could take an Orc army, a Tyranid army, a Space Marine army. And not to say I'll win, like, 
the ACO in two weeks, which is a 330-person nine-round tournament, go undefeated with those armies. But I'll put up a reasonably good show, and I'll win like six games with that. So those are just armies I picked. And that means you can always find answers. Whether some units aren't diverse, some units aren't deep, some units just do one thing and they suck at it. Don't take those units. If that's all you own, I'm sorry. Like, okay, I'm curious. That, that sucks. What, what constitutes an army that just sucks? An army that just sucks? Or, not an army, uh, sorry, the units. Uni- units specifically. Some, something like the, the, the chaos. I'll use chaos because you know it. Um, the despoiler, whatever the thing is called. The heavy support choice that came out. Um, uh, what, is it, what is it called? Venom crawler, just spoiler. What was I thinking? I'm sorry. That's how bad it is. I don't. I'm not even. <laughs> I, I don't even know, like this is my job. I don't even know. It's it's all jump out of names. <laughs> so so it's the venom crawler. It's so bad. What is the it's, metric? It might be to determine that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, the venom crawler is in a vacuum, not good or bad. It's just a pile of stats with a point cost. Sure. It's just something that exists. What determines if it's good or bad are its uses and usabilities next to its viable alternatives. You know, its opportunity costs. Like, if I don't take a Vellum and Vellum Crawler, I could run this, this, or that. Sure. Um, and then also how useful it is in the vast majority of your games. So let's let's start with its opportunity cost because this will just tell you right here. If you look at a Venom Crawler, what's it cost? Like 125? Something it, like that? Yeah, 130 mark around One, there. Yeah, 130. And then you look at a Mauler Fiend for like 140. It's, it's around the same. It's around and, the same. And yeah. Yeah. If you look at this, the, the job the Mauler Fiend and the Venom Crawler are going to fill, it's the same thing. They're both a demon engine. They both don't fly. They both have similar move stats. They both have similar defensive stats, both similar offensive stats. They're going to do the same thing. They're going to do whatever it is that I want a demon engine to do that walks around the table punching stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the points cost and how good they are at this job. Okay. And the Mollerfiend is like 10 points more expensive and it's better in literally every single stat, like substantially better in every single stat. Hmm. So, okay, unless I'm trying to spam Mollerfiends, in which case Venom Crawler would be Mollerfiends num- number four, five, and six, there is just never a reason to take a Venom Crawler. It's not that it's universally bad, it's that its next door neighbor is just so much better than it. <laughs> we can stop the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That actually makes sense. Uh, so I, I think this is my impression of that one specifically about the Venom Crawler, that uh, it has the some shooting capability of a Forge Fiend, which is all shooting, Demon Engine, and then some capability of close combat, which is Mauler Fiend, all close combat. And so you got a little bit of shooting, a little bit of close combat, not quite as good in either one. And it's like you, you're not splitting... The Forge Fiend, Mauler Fiends, and putting them into one. The yeah, thing that was right. created is a little bit less than both. So you remember what I said earlier about guns? If you're going to bring guns, make sure they do something. Uh-huh. This is a gun that doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> this is literally, you've taken a gun to build a checkbox, my army shoots, but it doesn't do anything. So it might as well not be there. And then it might as well just be better at combat, and therefore a Mauler Fiend. Interesting. So... Uh, does that mean that you and, and then they're also the defiler is lumped in there too because uh and then yeah the defiler if you want that mixed range boat you're competing with now dreadnoughts and defilers because that's what those are yeah yeah for sure uh okay so w- what were you saying about the you were talking about uh uh shooting and if okay yeah i remember now so 
Would you say that it's true that you're not a fan of uh, mixed versatility units? You know, units no, I, I really do like mixed versatility units. I I might not have done a great job describing my play style. I would say, first and foremost, I am reactive. I like to sit there and wait for stuff to happen and then figure out what to do from there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I pick... And this can go down into the secondaries I choose as well. When I pick secondaries, uh, when I write army lists, it's it's typically with the hopes that I can pick secondaries and do stuff completely irrespective of my opponent. I like to build stuff like very durable, expensive units or hard to get to expensive units in my army, like while we stand, we fight. So in my Dark Eldar, for example, I've taken two courts of the Archon, if you even know what that is which are these really strange esoteric units no one's ever heard of Mm -hmm. because it's specifically built in a really good option for while we stand, we fight the secondary. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm building the whole, I'm choosing my units for the strategy I'm playing. And the Mm -hmm. strategy I'm playing is to score a lot of points and ignore my opponent because once I start involving my opponent, my plans, I'm losing control. I like to be in control (laughs) and then I'm going to just score a lot of points and mind my own business. And if someone tries to mess with me, someone was tired of my points factory and they're trying to stand on my objectives (laughs) like your stupid world eaters, I want to be able to react really effectively to that. Uh So that's, that's the type of list I I design. Um, What do you do? So I really like versatile units because they react well. What do you do against players that are like yourself? It's hard. That are reactive, that are honestly methodical, um, like the control. What do you do? It's like it's like fighting the mirror, right? So there's no if you if you're always just matching yourself move from move, there's no winner. The winner will be will be determined by some external factor like who got more sleep or who rolled better on that important save or something like that. That's what you don't want. So there's not a much better way you can do this. You can you can have a better army than your opponent. Like if you're going to build this reactive defensive style, try to identify what the best free enlist is for doing that and then play that. If you don't want to switch your army, that's totally fine. Um, you're just not giving it your 100%. You're giving it like 95%, which, you know, that's that's okay. Yeah. You could also just try to practice more and be better at the game. Like there is... A human element to the game which no one likes to stare in the face but there is a skill to it so you can always just practice play more games and read more you books or watch youtube videos or something to sharpen your skill sign up for coaching i didn't say that um there's, there are things you can do to, to try to win more games <laughs> so here's a question from saren kepler uh what do you mm-hmm. think of basic firstborn tactical squads do you wish for 10th edition no, I want. I I grew up playing 40k. I've been playing this game since I was 10 years old. Tactical Marines were the OG Primaris Marines. I'm I'm all for these guys. Tactical Marines have rights. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know you, you keep them in. Yeah, you keep them in. Include them, keep them in. in. Yeah. Keep them in. <laughs> I I have so many tactical Marines. If you tell me they're just like garbage now, I'm be so sad. Oh yeah. That would be sad, and especially considering how many of our collections include so many of them. Yeah. So here's a question for you from Glenn. Trevor is, uh, what is one rule you would alter or change or something that always gets you? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Because I wouldn't make it some small rule. I want my rule to be, like, impactful. I'm not, like, fixing no heroic intervention or something. I'm fixing, like, the game. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that was very specific. Uh, uh, I don't know. I I don't know what one rule would be, but it would be a cool rule. It I, would be definitely be some grandiose thing. I'd have to think about it though, because it'd be some grandiose thing. I would take out the command reroll. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. That's what I would. Do. I like that. I like that. I think players are too reliant on that thing. Yeah, I, they I use definitely. it too much. It's overused. It's like yeah, it's way overused. Takes out the the potency of things that happen. Yeah, it's like, definitely. It's uh, like, uh, 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 I'm not dead yet. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like... We're like, oh, you did fill that five in charge. It's like, no, I didn't. It's like, but you did. Like, I know, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's so, what I would... In yeah, fact, my narrative that's, games... That's an interesting rule. That's a custom rule for my narrative games. Really? That simply does not exist because whatever happens, that's happens. That's a cool rule. Same with the auto-pass morale. I take that one out in my narrative games because... Those dudes are running away. They're running away for a reason. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. I also do this, too. Uh, something that I've implement, implemented is that uh, there's no generation of command points. However, you have access to all of your stratagems, but you can only use them once throughout the course of the game. Once each. See, I don't like that as an overall rule because a lot of armies, like from a competitive standpoint. Oh, no, it's horribly, horribly not competitive. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Narratively, it's like, ooh, I'm going to use strats that I would never normally spend command points right, on. Right, right. Right? And so that's kind of, you. yeah, that's that's the purpose there. And also because there are better ones that you use over and over again because they're more efficient. This is so interesting. Like, whenever you, you suggested a rule, and I'm like, this is why it won't work. You're like, no, it will. I'm, I'm just trying to create a cool scenario where people are using sets. I'm like, oh, yeah, we have different goals here. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so what, what do you think? What do you think you would change? What would I change? That's a great question. So now I'm thinking on more narrative style, so, like, it's, it's pretty cool. I would change, like... The way terrain works. I think terrain is really poorly represented in 40K. Really? Okay. Um, it's much better than it has been because in the, back in the day, there were no rules. So, mm -hmm. you know, we have some now. This is cool. But um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't like how you can be on top of the second level of a ruin and, like, you don't really get much benefit from that. I'm not, I'm not a guy who's been in combat, but... I imagine it's hard to shoot or charge someone on the second story of a window just shooting at you. I imagine that's a very crappy spot to find yourself. That guy has no advantage right now. Hmm. The best spot to be in competitive 40K is like behind a wall. And it's like, this is lame. Like, hmm. okay, I get it. But like, this is lame. And then things like hills from a competitive standpoint don't even exist. They're like, hmm. like they're just like, different slopes to the ground so it's harder to move models across them like they don't do anything that's stupid hills matter in real life mm -hmm. like i want the game to have more of a terrain-esque territory battlefield interesting yeah which i would argue brings you more into the immersion of the game it definitely does yeah i, I like that. so ninth edition the units play more like they should than they ever have in my opinion like dark eldar feel like dark eldar mm -hmm. Like, bugs feel like bugs. Space Marines feel like Space Marines. Like, this is how the armies actually want to play uh, on the table. That's cool. And, and by that, I mean, like, you know, you can play them the way bugs want to play, but, like, it doesn't, they're not good at it. Now they're good at it, like, which is cool. Like, the rules reward you for playing in the style that they're supposed to be played in. Mm -hmm. And I'm all for it. Like, the, let's get lost in the narrative with it. But, like, I just also see the game in competitive. Something, uh, this is a big one that I would change. Uh, 
I would reintroduce vehicle facing. Oh, that's too complicated. I, I, I like it from a, you know, let's get the game as realistic as possible standpoint. That stuff matters. But, like, I, I remember the days of what, is he in side armor or rear armor? It's not worth it. <laughs> I, I would do, uh, yeah, vehicle facing and hull points again because, uh, and, like, the explosion results, the dice results, because there was something, I mean, that's, very, that's 7th edition, right? Uh, I really liked that aspect, and I miss that. Really? Yeah, I miss it. You didn't find it cumbersome? Uh, it was, it felt more narratively appropriate. It just felt like, okay, here's the front of this tank. It's harder to penetrate it from the front. Uh, and, but if I got a lucky shot, I could explode it. And the satisfaction that I would get from just like one one plasma pistol shot to destroy this tank is like, that's amazing. That I won the game right there uh, just because of like moral victory. So right, right. yeah, that that's, that's what I would do. And yes, it is more, it's certainly more cumbersome. It is like, okay, well, all right, what's the facing? Okay, all right, and you get a roll, look at this chart. You know, it is. It's not as simple as okay, re- reduce armor, uh, wounds. Reduce. Yeah, it's certainly more streamlined now. But I, I would uh, reintroduce that. That's what I, that's a big one because there's so many vehicles. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, good question. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's switch gears for a sec. Let's do a chaos comet bomb. And uh, for those who are unfamiliar with a chaos comet bomb. Uh, which, I mean, if you guys are watching The Shrine of Chaos and have been watching for years, you should know what it is. But if you don't, it's your first time watching, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to post a link in the live chat, and you're going. it's going to bring you to a YouTube video. And then on this YouTube video, you can leave a comment, and it could be something like, Dave and Nick say hi from The Shrine of Chaos. Or it could be, uh, it, continue following the red path, because the path that you have chosen is the correct and right path. Or you could say, well, really, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Don't collect out. Whatever you say, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, that's really all it's about. This is the Red Path. This is a YouTube channel. This is uh, Nick's suggestion. And uh, very appropriately so, uh, a corn. This is an ode to Mark. This is Mark Perry right here. One of our artwork clips. He loves the Woodmers. And uh, this particular video is their latest video that they've uploaded about eight hours ago. Eight hours ago. See, Corn wants it. See, that, that... <laughs> eight hours ago. It's done. Oh, man, I love it. You can't, you, that wasn't even planned. That's amazing. <laughs> and has six comments on it. There's just one and a half thousand subscribers on the channel. So uh, l- let's uh, support this channel because it's channels like these that give this hobby and the wargaming uh, space so much more flavor. I love channels like these. Great suggestion for this one too, Nick. I'm going to uh, leave a suggestion. I'm going to leave a comment myself. The eye of terror sees all. That's it. Okay, that's my comment left. And then I'll refresh to see how many. Started with six at 17. And I'll just, uh, for those of you who have missed it, I'll post it once again here. It's unmistakable. You can't miss the link. It's going to be a block of links. It's going to feel like spam, but... Just click on the link. It'll bring you to the YouTube video. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, that's con bomb. I've been on the receiving end of a few of those. Those are fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun to Chaos Comp. You know, I got to say, viewers, it is you who make this possible. Obviously, it wouldn't be the same. I love it because YouTube doesn't see it as spam. It's everyone organically doing it, right? It's not like a one person spamming 80 comments. It's a bunch of people just as a horde supporting 
different YouTubers, different hobbyists and wargamers in the industry. And it's just uh, sh- it's awesome. showing the eye of terror, <laughs> shining on different places. So it's super cool. Thank you for that, guys. Uh, any any final thoughts, Nick? No, I think I think we covered a lot of it. Um, thank you for having me on, Dave. This has been really fun. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, so if, for those of you who are watching and uh, are curious about the Art of War 40K, that is Nick's website. Also, check out his YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe, support him. If you want to play more competitively, that is a place to go where you can certainly learn how to play more competitively with whatever army or whatever play style is your play style. So be sure to check him out. And uh, you, amongst all the other coaches as well, there's a number of you there who are... Got a growing business over here. A lot of coaches. So, you know, different people have different play styles. So you can learn from the people who coach your army and play your army. So it's very specific to that. And just as a final thing that I want to add to this, because I've seen a lot of the comments that were saying, uh, you know, people pay for coaching and 40K, what? Like it was, it felt like a new concept. Uh, yeah. I have to say this about that, because the first time I saw that, I had a similar reaction. I'm like, what? That exists in our industry? That's nuts. That's crazy. So I love all of the diverse ways that this hobby, this industry has created ways in which it, it's enriched, right? That is one of the ways. Uh, look at that. That's created jobs. It's created employment for people. Like, it, it's insane. That's that's nuts, right? It's true. Like, it's, over a decade ago, just the fact that we're making YouTube videos about this game was crazy. And then there's like, all right, I'll just make painting tutorials. I'll do photography, and that's all I'll do. I'll start a Patreon, and I'll do a podcast. There's so many different ways that people make this their livelihood, and it's fantastic to see. And in the years to come, we're only going to see more ways that we never would have thought of, and it's very exciting. And it's all made possible because of you, the viewers, so thank you. This is very true. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Shrine of Chaos next week, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again, Nick, for being on the, on the Shrine today, and happy wargaming.